At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. This is High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. We interview senior level baby boomers who share their stories, insights, and how-tos for the emerging leadership of millennials. Our mission is to celebrate their accomplishments in aid of preserving their business knowledge. I'm your host, Chris Williams. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. Today's show is part two of a great interview. We are having great discussion with Lars Hegelson, the CEO of Green Rope. Now, listen, if you have not had an opportunity to hear the first episode, please go back and listen to Tuesday's episode. It was awesome. He gave a lot of great insight on how millennials are impacting CRM and what it all means and how companies should be able to take advantage of those things. But in part two, you're going to hear a deeper dive of not only his thoughts and ideas around uh, millennial engagement how things are coming together, but more importantly, how to leverage information such as what you will get out of your CRM. Now, listen, if you don't know much about it and you don't understand how these things can all work together, what Green Rope has put together an entirely easy to understand customizable platform. I've had an opportunity to demo it myself, and that's why they're on this show. So sit back, listen to part two of my interview with Lars Hagelson, the CEO of Green Rope. Um, I mean, not to say that all do, all do, but I mean, but I would say most would enjoy feeling like they are treated with respect and given the freedom to solve problems. It's more of a, this is what I want you to do, not necessarily how I want you to do it. Um, And you you speak to a really good point with that, because I think most people look at that as, um, wanting to be a part of the decision-making process, which is the how. And Mm -hmm. and I think when you have that kind of shared understanding and willingness to hear all sides, I do believe that you can run a company uh, big or small. You know, I I don't want anyone to feel alienated that says, well, we've got 15,000 people working our company. How are we going to do that? I think you can have management, even those underneath those who are direct line managers who can create and foster a an, an environment of innovation, an environment of healthy ideas that is open for everyone. So I'm interested. You mentioned you know, even the junior of those in your company can provide ideas. How do you go about making sure that those ideas surface so that you get the chance to hear them? Um, I think it, it partially it's, it's a cultural thing. You know, I think you, if someone feels safe 
being able to, to bring up an idea to someone, you know, whether it's to their manager or even to me, you know, and, and you're right in a 15,000 person company, you don't really, the CEO of that company doesn't have the time to get input from all 15,000 employees. Um, but it, it, you can also, like you were saying, you can kind of create these smaller team based approaches to solving whatever problem it is that they're working on. And I think it always comes down to that, le- that open communication so that someone feels like if they see something that could be done differently or more efficiently or could create a better product, that they can feel comfortable going to a coworker or a manager and not getting, um, getting a, that smackdown of like, oh, who do you think you are kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and that just comes down to culture. And so if you, and that starts, of course, with leadership. And so if you have leaders who foster open communication and, and don't allow things like clicks to form and don't allow political process to, to derail the effectiveness of the team, then you're able to work more efficiently. You're able to share those ideas. You're able to think about things differently and not always do things the way things have all, always been done. Um, and, that's, and it's funny how, how closely that ties into the way of thinking behind our software. Because it's the same idea. If you can help people run their business without putting things into silos so everyone's in the same platform, then people have more access to data and they can share it more efficiently between each other. And that's what we're trying to create. Is, is a, it's a culture and software that they use every day that matches that culture. And that culture is based around mutual respect and open communication and sharing the information in a way that's meaningful for everyone who needs to use it. Which makes awesome sense. And so one of the things that you're getting at that I would love to hear your perspective on um, is experience. Um, many uh, seasoned people who have worked in a particular company or in a particular industry or who have that subject matter expertise, you know, whether it's 10 or 12, 15, 20 years, a lot of people say you don't have enough experience. And unfortunately, sometimes when they say that, they mean that for more than just the one question that that person might be asking. <laughs> right. Um, mm-hmm. They And sometimes it can be used almost in a demeaning way so that then it kind of shuts down the person wanting to even bring ideas or share a new way of doing things. How do you deal or dispel this idea of you don't have enough experience? So guess what? You can't offer ideas to us in Green Rope or we're not here to listen to anything because you haven't been here long enough to, you know, be able to give us advice. How do you, how do you, within the culture that you're creating, how are you addressing that and ensuring that that's not something that keeps um, the next, you know, great idea from, from, from getting to the top of the house? Well, it's funny because there's two sides to that. There's, there's going to be, because there is some, there's, there is some wisdom when you say that, you know, you don't have enough experience to be able to, um, to effectively, you know, comment on whether or not that's a good thing, you know, to, if there's a fresh idea, you know, so they may say, well, I think we should do things this way. And it may be that, that it's been tried before. There may be reasons why, why that approach wouldn't work. But I think what everyone has to remember is that the the experience that we have, the wisdom that we have, is usually rooted in us making mistakes. And that it's okay to make mistakes. 
So if someone comes to you and says, hey, this is a great idea, um, you could say, well, we've tried that before and it didn't work. And it may be that that, that, that may be the case, but you also have to consider that maybe things are different. Maybe the idea isn't exactly the same and maybe the environment has changed since then. And so I think it's really important to, to respect when someone comes up with an idea that they're not coming up with an idea to try and, and do damage to the company. Quite the opposite. They think that they have a, an idea of how things could be done better. And so, and that comes down to that sense of mutual respect for other people. And, and in fact, when someone comes to you and they, they don't have the experience, it's actually, I think it's, it says a lot because that's someone who isn't encumbered by all of the experience that they have that makes them think that something should always be done the same way. Absolutely. So I think that, I think that, that there's, you know, obviously the opinions of people that are experienced, um, I think obviously they matter. But I don't think you should discount someone's suggestion simply because they don't have experience because a lot of times, especially an inexperienced person, is looking at your business through the eyes of the consumer. And so if you talk to an engineer, if someone has, doesn't have a lot of experience, they talk to an engineer and say, well, why doesn't it do this? And the engineer might have a thousand reasons why. But that inexperienced feedback, and if that person's an employee or, or someone that you know, maybe isn't intimately involved with the product, if they look at that and they have that question or they have that idea, you have to kind of put yourself in the shoes of the end user and, and think, well, maybe there's some credence to this because this is what the uninitiated person thinks about this product or service. And if they think that maybe something is hard to use or they think something could be done differently, there may be some credence to that because it's coming from the perspective of someone who's not blinded by the way the business has been running for the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And you know, Lars, you bring up a really good point because I think sometimes the answer is actually in the question. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes if if you just stop, and I think you, you make a very valid point, if somebody who is inexperienced is offering you an idea, one, you can let's err on the side of people are actually just good people and they really are trying to do the right thing, but they're, they're also trying to help. And if you err on that side, then the question might probably may be worth at least exploring what they're asking, because if they're asking it and they're brand new to your company, then that means there might be other customers who use your product or service who might be asking the same question. And to me, I've always thought it's better to follow the path and at least confirm that that can't that's not a thing versus, you know, I mean, who knows? Right. We don't know how many ideas have been kind of shot down because of hierarchy systems inside of companies and, you know, uh, different things just because. But now one of the ways we do know some ideas get shut down is because people go and leave and start a company and then they make, you know, three billion dollars like WhatsApp. Right. So so you you do see those kind of things. But but, you know, it does definitely speak to trust and loyalty and opportunity that people feel. So uh, I want to kind of shift gears here. So when we're thinking about um the the emerging leadership of any company and you can think of yours uh as we talk about this 
I'm curious to understand from your perspective, what do you feel uh, millennials, older millennials? And I really want to focus on them because they're, they're typically a part of our larger audience along with executives. Anyone 25 to 35, what do you feel they have that is either advantageous or the most to gain from having a baby boomer as a part of their corporate career relationships? I think I think there's there's a couple things that baby boomers bring um, to the table that that the millennials don't have. I mean, one of them is obviously experience. Um, you know, having having been through, and, and I think especially with interpersonal relationships, experience. Um, you know, someone someone who has been in the workplace for twenty, thirty, forty, you know, fifty years um, is going to have the the experience of seeing how people have reacted to different kinds of situations. Um, I was reading recently that uh, IBM has sort of changed their their uh, policy on allowing people to work remotely. And I'm I'm really curious, um, you know, from their management perspective, why they chose to do that. Studies have shown that people generally work more effectively when they're remote, um, but they chose to bring people together because they think they work more efficiently in teams if they're all physically co-located. And so um, it's a it's a curious um, strategy change on on their part because it's funny they made this this this. Uh, this uh, announcement and literally two weeks ago um, posted a, a blog post about why remote working is so great for, for IBMers. <laughs> so, um, but it, it, but I, but I think the real value comes in with, um, with a baby boomer. It comes in, it's, it's that experience. Um, and it's, it's experience in um, talking to different kinds of people and dealing with different kinds of interpersonal um, scenarios um, and I think the other advantage is that the baby boomers have with that experience is a broad network of connections. And so if a millennial is able to find themselves a, a business partner or someone that they work with who is a well-connected, genuine, experienced um, leader, that can be gold for their idea. And so you know, whereas the baby boomer may not be as in touch with the newer technology that's coming out, they have the their strengths are really in their network and their ability to um, to connect with other with other people and and to lead other people. And and, and I certainly don't mean to say that that a baby boomer can't um, you know adopt newer technology and can't, sure, can't sure. really be in, involved in there. But but I think the real strengths of the different generations is that you've got the, the more advanced thinking technologists um, that are really adopting and pushing change from a technology and a product and a service perspective. And you have the wisdom and the experience and the connections and the networks of the baby boomers that can help change, that can help make that a reality. And so I think that having the two types of people work together are really it's it's really going to um, I think it maximizes your chance for success when you're able to do that you know so a millennial may have an awesome idea but without the right connections it will be very difficult and I think that's why a lot of millennials will go towards um, you know getting VC funding and the funding isn't necessarily about the money the funding in a lot of ways is about the connections between the people that have been working in that particular space for a long time wow interesting 
and and connect the dots. Interesting. Wow. Very. That's a very interesting perspective. I had not heard that, but um, I I think you 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 might you might be onto something there because. Um, you know, many employers who even the ones that I talk to and uh, executives, they do take issue with the idea that they feel, well, uh, you know, millennials are just quick to leave and they're they're not willing to stay around. But if we follow that thought process that you just gave, a lot of times it's they're not feeling connected at your company. And mm-hmm. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how to sugarcoat that, but for anyone listening to this interview, I, I think what Lars just touched upon is something that is more of a, um, uh, a human need that is, that is important. No matter how fast we move, uh, people want to feel connected. And if your environment that is being created does not give people a feeling of connectedness and that they feel that there's a path for them to grow and learn. Well, then I think anybody doesn't matter if it's a millennial or not, but for the case of this conversation, then that might be why you see what we see today. Um, as far as, uh, uh, the, 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 the ease of which some people will choose to, to walk away from a particular company. So, um, a couple of things that you, you, as you were talking, I kind of thought about, that I thought I would I would love to, uh, to to hear you talk about a little more. So, as you were kind of talking about what those millennials can gain from baby boomers, what what kind of misconceptions do you feel are kind of sitting out there about baby boomers that um, that might not necessarily be uh, so true? But there, you know, a lot of times anybody had, there's always these uh, overgeneralized ideas, um, but. When I'm talking about some of those misconceptions, what are some of the ones that you may have even not only heard, but the ones that actually you kind of broke away from that um, that has made it easier for even your company and those working with you to to see a, a more healthier side of of who you are as as someone older leading the vision of Green Rope? Yeah, I mean, I think I think no matter who you who you talk to, there's there are going to be stereotypes. You know, if you whatever whatever experiences that you have, I mean, I I think every younger generation will look at the people that are you know thirty or forty or fifty years older than them and think that they just don't get it. You know, it's it's been, I mean, it it pervades music, it pervades technology, it, it pervades you know looking at the way older people drive versus younger people drive you know there's always there's always going to be this this stereotypical perception and i think that if you can if you if you see a stereotype for what it is and know that it's a generalization and you take every relationship you you approach every relationship with an open mind then you can you can be ready to be impressed by who that person is you know, so if I were to assume that everyone over the age of 60 couldn't effectively use a web application, that would, that would severely constrain my ability to market and sell and, and communicate with that person. I don't, I'm not going to see someone over the age of 60 and assume that they can't do that, that they, that they don't understand technology. Just like I'm not going to meet a millennial and assume that they're not capable of being good leaders because they're so young. 
Um, I think that you always have to take each person as an individual and judge them more by their actions than than a characteristic like their age. Absolutely. And so, yeah, and so and so for that reason, you know, internally in in managing our company, um, I don't use age as a as a you know necessarily as a as a discriminating factor um, as to why someone should or should not be given certain responsibilities. I had. Um, we had a, a marketing uh, director that was with us um, for a while, and she was older. And she, she was in uh, her late 30s, and she left, and the marketing manager that worked under her had just graduated from college um, uh, the, the, the previous year. And, and so we had a conversation internally about, you know, is it, is it right to make someone who has a year of marketing experience, who's 24 years old, in charge of all of our marketing and what sort of advantages and disadvantages are there for doing that. And so, and the, and the, uh, you know, it's probably fairly obvious, you know, you have someone who's that young, they don't have as much experience. Um, you know, they don't have the, the, uh, the, the wisdom gained from doing lots of different campaigns and, you know, it's coming out of school and he's got to learn things kind of the hard way by making the mistakes, but, but he comes at things with a fresh perspective. And so, I have a 20, well, he's 25 now, um, year old person in charge of our marketing. And, uh, and I trust what he does. I trust his, his work ethic. I trust his judgment. And, you know, we talk about things and, and I'll share my experience um, in, in what I know about marketing. And we have other people in our company with experience in marketing that may be a little bit older. But I, I don't look at him and say, He's only 25. There's no way he could be responsible for all the marketing for our company. I look at him and I see someone who's very motivated, who's very creative and trustworthy, has a lot of integrity, and I know has our best interest at heart. And that to me is, is far more important. He will learn the experience that he needs. He can look things up online. He can, and he does. He does. He reads books. He reads blogs. He you know, looks at what other people are doing and and he he's consumes a lot of information. But I'm not going to look at him and hold on to the stereotype that this young millennial doesn't have the capability to lead our management team. And wow. I think that served us very well. Um, and, and, and that, again, is, it goes back to, I hate to use the word judging because I don't like the idea of, of judging other people, but we all kind of do that. And, right. you know, do you, do you judge someone by what their by their age or their appearance or their race or their gender or whatever or do you judge them by what they do and i would much rather judge them by who they are as a person on the inside and what it is they're they're capable of doing and actually are they actually realizing their own potential to do something as opposed to saying this person has this characteristic and therefore they can't accomplish X because of their age or, or gender or whatever. So, um, and I think that, I think the world is moving more that way. Um, I think obviously there is, there is, there will always be ageism. There will always be racism. There will always be bigotry in our, in our, in every culture. But I think the more we can break that down by intentionally creating um, businesses and working environments where, people are, are judged by who they are on the inside and what they actually do. That's the greatest 
way to break down these these artificial barriers around race, age, and gender, and you know all the other things that people use to differentiate each other. Absolutely, absolutely. What well, well said, and and so when you talk about leadership, not only in your company but when you see it as a whole, how how do you think? CEOs and maybe you 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 talk to other CEOs on a on a consistent basis about this but how do you see um what are some ideas some tips or some advice on getting your next tier of emerging leadership to the table interacting providing them that institutional knowledge what what are some ways that you feel are 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 best in order to ensure that you're you're not only working with those uh, who are already in executive leadership, but you're you're giving, you know, an open door to the to the next tier, the people that you've already tapped and said, hey, Tom looks like the guy or, you know what, Sarah's got it. And I think we need to, you know, engage her more. How, how do you what kind of advice would you give people on 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 getting that downline into the organization? I think it has to do with giving people freedom. Um, I, I think that to, to encourage leadership, people have to be given the freedom to make decisions and to make mistakes. And, and not, I mean, with, with every decision, of course, you always want to encourage and, and coach people to use information, to use data. So whether that data is customer data, whether that, that data is, um, you know, industry marketing data, but come to their conclusions based on as quantitative an analysis as possible. And then give them the freedom to make that decision. And so if, if someone is in charge of, um, you know, creating a product or, or coming up with a campaign, you, you give them the space to do that give them the space to make the decision and, and give them enough run room so that you don't step in right early in the process and say, ah, you're doing this all wrong. This is how you got to do it. You give someone a chance to step up and whether it's managing a team of people or they're doing it entirely on their own, that they have the freedom to do things how they want to do it. And so, um, you know, and, and I, I say that all within, with, you know, within certain limitations and guidelines, you don't want to give, you know, cause you, you do want to avoid this inmates running the asylum problem. Where sure. Sure. They choose, they choose their own software, right. or, you know, they're, they're running off on their own and their project sort of lives in its own universe. You don't want to allow that to happen. Right. But if you set the constraints of the project, whatever it is you want them to do and say, these are the requirements you have to accomplish X. You have this amount of time, and this is how this needs to interact with the rest of our business. Whatever you create has to be usable by everybody else that needs to have access to that data. and has to be something that's easy uh, for them to be able to do. So if you give someone the freedom and you set the parameters, the, the things that they have to do, the what, and let them come up with the how, then they get to make the decisions. And that's where leaders are born. Leaders are born by giving them the freedom to choose the how. And they may, they may make a mistake. And in the end, they're going to hopefully learn from that mistake. But ultimately, it's up to us as senior leaders to give people sort of the, the smaller ranges of freedom and, and have them earn that, 
greater and greater responsibility by seeing what they actually do and seeing and measuring them by the results. I remember I, I have a, a Boston Terrier, and I remember when he was a little puppy thinking that, you know, how am I going to train this, this dog to not pee all over the house? And the answer was you give him a bigger and bigger area to roam. And it's, it's, maybe it's not peeing, maybe it's, it's shredding toys or shredding pillows or whatever it is, but you give them more and more space. And once you trust their ability to operate within a certain environment, then you give them a little more space. And then you give them a little more space and a little more freedom, a little, maybe a little more budget, maybe a little more responsibility. And you let them earn their right to have more and more leadership, more and more responsibility. And I think you'll find that not everybody wants that. Not every, not every person wants to have more and more responsibility. There are some people who will reach a certain level and say, this is all I want to do. Exactly. And, and, respect, and under, respect and understand that. And sure. say, this, this person wants to be a worker bee, and that's, and that's how they're happy. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you're going to have other people who are going to crave more responsibility, crave more decision-making authority. And for that, they have to be given the, the freedom so that they can make the mistakes and, and build their confidence through making the mistakes and, and having the successes, of course, too. But it's all about, to me, it's all about freedom. Wow. That is interesting. Leadership being born based on the freedom of how. I like that. So uh, trust me when this episode airs, uh, plenty of people will see that tweet <laughs> from you. <laughs> so that's going to be a great one. Um, uh, one more question here before, before we wrap up, this has been an incredible conversation. There's so many different angles that I would, I would love to be able to go down, uh, with just a little time we have, but 10, 20 years from now, uh, millennials will be where baby boomers are now and Gen Xers are now leading companies, CEOs all over the place. How do you see, millennials changing the C-suite? What impacts do you see coming uh, that that will change how corporations and, and, and large and small are run uh, versus the way they are today? I hope that millennials remember how they feel now. I think that's, that's the biggest thing. You know, there's that, that um, it's the, it's the who, right? They have a song like they, uh, that uh, talking about my generation in out with the old boss in with the new, you know, I, I think it's, um, I think that it's important for millennials to remember the things that they feel and see now that they want to change. Um, you know, I think, I think when, when we're all kids, we look at our parents and, you know, in those times when our parents are disciplining us and, and thinking we're never going to be like our parents. And then we grow up and we realize that we're a lot like our parents. So I think that it takes a certain amount of introspection and um, self-realization to think about and remember how they feel now. And I think one of the things that millennials have that I think previous generations have not has been a stronger sense of, of purpose and altruism behind what they do, uh, whether it's social justice, whether it's um, you know communicating with other people, I think millennials have this um, have a culture around um, feeling like they're actually making the world a better place, 
and and not to use the cliche from that show Silicon Valley, but you know you do you know when you start a business, if you have that in mind that you do want to make the world a better place, that you're trying to make you know whether whether you're trying to create better software, whether you're trying to clean up the environment, whether you're trying to do cleaner energy, whatever it is that you're doing, that your your purpose is to make the world a better place. As millennials have more and more responsibility, that they don't get distracted by the material gain and you hmm. know, slave the almighty dollar kind of cliche wow. you know, where they, they remember the, the real reason why we're here. Right. And because I think as, as you get more experience and you work in larger and larger companies and your companies get bigger and bigger and you become more responsible to shareholders and stockholders and, and it, it can be very easy to, to be distracted by by thinking that, that life and business is about is purely about making money. And I think we all know that the reason why we're on this planet is not to be the one that dies with the most money in our coffin. Um, I think we want to look back on our lives and be proud of the, the contributions that we have made to the world around us. And so I think that as, as people get older and get more experience, as long as they hold on to that, that original thought, you know, hold on to why they're doing what they're doing, that, that greater good, the greater mission behind their, their goal in life, um, then I think that that's, that's what's going to stay with us. That's what's going to create the sustainable, growing um, economy and, and the environment for us to live in. I mean, we've got 7 billion, 7.5 billion people on this planet, and we're running out of resources and room, and it's only through really thinking about how to effectively manage our our planet more than just how much how many dollars can I accumulate in the next quarter um, when we take that longer term view that's what's going to make the long term difference and so I, I hope that as millennials get more and more power that they remember how they feel today and remember the long term view behind what they're what they're creating on this planet. Wow. Well, well said. And I think that is a um, a really great perspective that many um, I think we should all take that away uh, to really think about. Remember how you feel, <laughs> because when you do become a leader, um, you want to make sure that you're doing your part to to remove that feeling for the next person in line. Um not clamoring just to get it, but to truly clamor to make a difference. And uh, uh, Lars, I think you said it best. And so, Lars, I am very appreciative. I know our audience is appreciative of all that you've been able to share today. Uh, and thank you so much for coming on. Lars Hegelson, the CEO of Green Rope, uh, as a part of High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Chris. Really appreciate it. Well, that wraps it up. I mean, another great addition, another opportunity for you to hear a great CEO and Lars sharing with you another great resource. Not only are we interviewing CEOs of large companies who are baby boomers, but I'm also giving you bonus content material resources that you can be able to immediately plug into your company and to be able to leverage in order to create a better sustaining culture, systems and processes. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, until we talk again, I hope that you go out and share this episode. Please, please feel free to share and subscribe on iTunes, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, Google Play. You name it, we're there. You can find us. 
You can also find us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Give us some feedback. You can actually go uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and find us at High Level Wisdom. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. Now, I know that many of you are spending money on advertising, and a lot of times it falls on deaf ears. Where here on High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders, you could buy this spot right here. Yes, this one you're listening to, because we actually have influencers. We have CEOs, decision makers who are listening along with our larger, broader audience. If you would like to purchase this spot that you're listening to right now, send us an email at info at highlevelwisdom.com or you can go to our website, www.highlevelwisdom.com forward slash advertise for more information. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.